God is good all the time. It's his nature. Uh, we just want to thank God for such beautiful worship. And, you know, as the worship team was, you know, in front here, I was just thinking, why don't we call this morning a morning of worship? Because, you know, when we're in heaven, there will be no preaching. Hallelujah. There will be no preaching, but the Bible says there will be worship. And we shall be singing hore, hore, hore all the time. Amen. And thank you so much once again, the worship team, for blessing us in such a special way. Uh, this morning, if I was a teacher, of which I'm not, uh, I would have said, who remembers the first lesson that I shared about two weeks ago, two Sundays ago? Anybody who remembers? Raise your hand. Anybody who remembers? Just a few. Aripo. Okay, I'll give you a prize at the end. Do whatever Jesus tells you. Amen. And last Sunday? Uh, it's one of the leaders. Pa- Pastor Sunga remembers. Who else remembers? Aha. Uh-huh. Miracle remembers. Eh? What was it, miracle? Supernatural keys. Amen. How many have used those keys this week? Wow. Eh? I can see Pastor Sunga, Sister Naomi, uh, my sister Miriam. Who else? You all left the kids in church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Eh? You all left the kids in church. Please take them. Uh, take them home. They are for use every day and every moment of your life. Eh? We talked about that, you know, we are for eternity. So if we are for eternity, then those Supernatural keys, we need to have them for eternity. Otherwise, if we leave them in church and remember them on Sunday when we come back, then we are in trouble. Hmm? Okay. I was just reminding you because I was saying, you know, it's important that we reflect and thank God for this church that every message is recorded on podcast. Uh so, some of you who, are, who left your kids here in church, you can go back and reclaim them on podcast. Amen. Uh, this morning, we are going to look at another topic, which is titled, Life in the Royal Family. Life in the Royal Family of God. Life in the Royal Family of God. And uh, we are going to look at several uh, uh, passages, but our passage of focus will be 2 Corinthians, 
Second Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. Second Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. Uh, those who are founded, can you just say amen? Those who are still searching, say I'm still searching. Thank you. I'll wait for you. Second Corinthians chapter 2 uh, verses 1 to 11. And I read. So, I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. That's poor writing. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? No, it's a question. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did so that when I came, I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent. Not to put it too severely. Verse 6. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now, instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. Verse 11. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace. Throne, Lord God, that is full of love and full of forgiveness. The throne that allowed our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to come down here on earth. That while we are yet sinners, he should die for us. Lord, we want to thank you that this is a mystery 
that no human intelligence or wisdom can understand. Therefore we ask of your Holy Spirit just to enlighten us and make us understand the secrets of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you have said where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there amidst them. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence amidst us here. Lord, I want to pray for every heart that is broken. Lord, you are the hearer of broken hearts. Lord, I pray for every heart that is in anxiety, Lord, that, Lord, you are the bringer of peace. Lord, I pray for every heart that is in doubt. Lord, you are the restorer of our souls. I pray, Lord God, that your presence here shall bring healing. Your presence here shall bring joy. Your presence here shall bring peace. That no one, Lord God, who sits here shall go back home and still go back to the worries of the past. Lord, I pray that today shall be a day of destiny for somebody. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we talked about do whatever he tells you. We talked about the supernatural keys of heaven that Christ has given to us when we believe that he is the son of the living God. Now, Paul, among so many teachings of how we should in the kingdom of God, how we should live in the royal family. Uh, tell your friend you are a loyalty. You are a prince. You are a princess for ladies. You are a prince and you are a princess. Somebody sitting next to you is either a prince or a princess. Amen. Why? Because they belong to the family of God. And belonging in the family of God is a special privilege, but it also has its responsibilities. So, when I read, you know, what Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, my heart moves to say, where did we miss it? Where did the church miss it? Because Paul is talking about a situation that is a very difficult situation, but he handles it in such a way that he demonstrates that the love of God is in him. And then, perhaps before we go to the full text, I would also like us to read Hebrews 12 verse 28. Just to affirm who we are. Hebrews 12 verse 28. It says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom 
that cannot be shaken. Do you know that you have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken? We should be grateful that we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I'm emphasizing this because at times we Christians, we don't fully understand who we are. We have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And it was because of the love of God for you and me that he gave this kingdom unto us. That you know, nothing should shake us. Whether you know from under the sea, right here on earth, or anything from heavenly bodies, nothing should shake us. Because the kingdom of God is a permanent kingdom, is a powerful kingdom, is a kingdom that cannot be defeated by, by any other kingdom. Here, uh, Paul teaches of love and forgiveness. And you know, just to emphasize that point, 1 John 4, 7 says, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The question that I may ask you might sound rhetoric, but I'll still ask it. Are you born of God? Do you know God? If the two answers, the two questions, the answers are in affirmative, may God bless you. But if not, Christ is here with open arms that if you are not born of God, he is present here to receive you into his father's kingdom. For the Bible says, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have an everlasting life. And you know, if you read First Corinthians chapter 5, there's a case in the church of Corinth where many Christians were not living according to the standard that Christ had left them. And this grieved Paul. And Paul writes a letter to the church of Corinth to say that he would rather not be the one the offender, but let the church judge that offender. And then the church expels the offender from their grouping. And then Paul hears that this offender had been expelled because he was living a life that was not befitting the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And then, I would say that if it were some of us in the current church would celebrate that administratively we have dealt with the problem and our church is going to move forward in the right way. But not Paul. Living in the royal family of God demands compassion, demands love. And Paul, writing to the church, he tells them, he was writing that letter in tears, in distress, in so much pain, 
Because one who should have lived for Christ had left the way. Does it pain our hearts when we see our fellow Christians backsliding? Or perhaps we just say, we knew that this one could not manage. And we pride in ourselves as if being st- standing up right now in Christ is our own doing and not the doing of God. It pained the heart of Paul to say we have lost this member. And the instruction, which is the way that we should live in the kingdom of God, he says, please do not increase the pain of this brother. Do not increase the pain of this brother. In verse 6 he says, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now, verse 7, you, you ought to forgive and comfort him. Hallelujah. You need to forgive and comfort him. This is a person who has caused a lot of confusion in the congregation. He has caused a lot of problems and Paul's instruction, he says, you are living in the royal family. And living in the royal family, losing one member should bring pain to each one of us. What we have to do is forgive and comfort. How I wish our church in the world was like this. That we grieve with those that we lose and make sure that they are restored by the love of God. And in verse 8 he says, I urge you therefore to to reaffirm your love for him. When we meet those who are lost, Do we still love them? Do we still love them? You know, what can win the world for Christ is love and nothing else. You know, and he continues, he says in verse 9, another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. You know, Paul told them, deal with this person by yourselves because I don't want to bring more grief to you. Because if it was Paul making the decision, others, I'm thinking, were relatives of this person. Others were connected to this person they would have said what Paul has done, he has really brought shame on our relative and all that. But Paul says, you the relatives, judge the person according to the word of God. And then, when you have done that, please show this person love. 
And then Paul says, you know, I did this to test your obedience. Are we obedient to God? You know, the Bible says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Many of us are happy to serve God, to preach as I'm doing, to give our offerings as we all do, to sing as the beautiful worship team was doing, to pray and that. But in certain situations, we are not obedient to the word of God. Paul says, I did that to test your obedience. And that obedience, mind you, was not to Paul. It was to Christ. And Paul says, what are forgiven? What you have forgiven, I also forgive. Because of the obedience, Paul says, whatever the church forgave, he also forgave. And he says, what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven it in the sight of Christ for your sake. You know, God forgave me all my sins. If I would to find time to narrate them, I think the church would take the whole day. But God forgave me everything. I to hold a grudge against my brother or my sister. Church, I challenge you. If you are holding any grudge against anybody, this is the time to forgive. You are not commanded to hate. You are commanded to love. In verse 11, Paul continues and says, he's doing this, he's forgiving, he's loving, because he's aware of the schemes of the devil. Now, we are going to look at a few schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil that he is using today, and he has used them for so many years and so many centuries. You know, before I go to the schemes, please mark this. A true fellowship of Christ is where one's pain is everybody's pain. You move with the heart and not with the intelligence or the mind. One person's pain is everybody's pain. That's the true fellowship of Christ. And that's what Christ has called us to. What are the pitfalls on the kingdom road? Which are the schemes of the devil? I've called them pitfalls on the kingdom road. Because the journey is really wrong. We don't know when Christ is coming, but he is coming. Amen? Christ is coming. 
and the journeys is long and their pitfalls on the on the road to glory so Paul wrote verse 11 so that Satan might not outwit us because we should be aware of his schemes tell your neighbor avoid the schemes of the devil and you will not suffer again you will not suffer and suffering i'm not talking about physical suffering i'm not talking suffering you know perhaps lacking things i'm saying you will not suffer lack of peace you will not suffer lack of joy you will not suffer total destruction because you live for eternity what are the pitfalls that we face you know uh Christ writing uh, i mean speaking to the Jews in uh, uh Matthew 11:12 he says and from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force so God, Christ has not called us to peace he has called us to battle he has called us to difficulties because the devil never rests when he, the son of uh, i mean the child of god is there his aim is to take all of us with him to destruction and you know this is what you know uh, christ is, was talking about since the time of john the kingdom of god has suffered violence and the violent take it by force you know that people want to kill you just because you are a christian Where you are working people want you to resign so that they can do their katangale or corruption you are the block they would want to eliminate you just because you belong to Christ the kingdom of god has suffered violence and the violent take it by force and last week i referred you to the book of jude where he says we should snatch them from fire because those are violent they are fearing the burning of fire even here on earth they would rather kill so that perhaps they find peace and they never find it the pitfalls the pitfalls or the schemes of the devil is are first of all he makes us doubt our faith He makes us doubt God. We go into a situation and we ask questions, is God really there? We have wavering faith. And because we have wavering faith, we doubt God. God cannot operate in our lives. And the devil takes advantage. Christ in Matthew 21 verse 22 says and whatever you ask in prayer you will receive and he continues to conclude if you have faith 
Matthew 21 verse 22. If you have faith, whatever you ask in prayer, you shall receive it. And it doesn't take any intelligent person to know that we don't receive many times because we don't have faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Are we pleasing to God? Do we have faith that whatever circumstances, whatever situations, God is in control and he's able to even lift us out of any situation? The Israelites... The story to Egypt is a very interesting story because when we look at it, all situations did not favor them. They were powerless. They were slaves, had no rights. They could not even organize themselves together to, to just fight back. Moses even had to run away when he tried to find, fight back alone. Every factor was against them until God entered the race. And when God enters, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. The Red Sea just opened its way. The crossed waters just gushed with water for the people to drink. Everything just went their way because God was with them. When God is with you, everything shall, shall be turned upside down for your favor. If we have wavering faith, it's difficult to see the power of God. And the devil uses that scheme. You remember when he went to Eve, what he said was, did God really say? When to, he went to Jesus to test him. He said, just bow before me and I'll give you the whole world. And that's what the devil does. He goes into the word, extracts half truth, and then tells you that's the truth. You know that the devil is the father of all liars. Lying is his nature. Goodness is God's nature. Lying is the devil's nature. So he makes your faith waver so that you should not enjoy the fruits of the royal family where you belong. The second pitfall is the love of money. I don't have to put a whole sermon on it. You know what happened to Mr. Judas? Mr. Judas had been with Christ for almost three years. He saw the miracles that Christ did. He learned all the lessons that Jesus taught. He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. But he loved money. And what the devil does, he says, you know, without money you are nothing. 
I want to tell you something different today. Without Christ, you are nothing. Without money, you are still somebody. Money or no money, you are still somebody. But without Christ, you are nothing. You know, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Which, while some coveted after, they have erred in faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. I want to tell you something. For a Christian to get something out of corruption or out of something that is not according to God, you pierce yourself with sorrow until you repent. Until you repent. And some people have said, I would rather live with the wounds because if I repent, then how am I going to live? Brother, sister, I want to tell you something. A pierced heart is a heart that is leading to hell. I would rather you repent, have nothing, and have your kingdom back. God loves you. Whatever you gained out of, out of the will of God will always give you sorrow. Until you repent, we thank God for the cross of Jesus. When you look at the cross, he carried all your burdens, all your sins there. And he's red and here now. Whatever is troubling you and giving you sleepless nights, please bring it to the cross of Jesus. For he has carried all your sins to the cross. And it's just your insistence that you are still carrying them. Christ is there to carry all your burdens. And when God forgives, he forgets. You become a new person. You are no longer the person of yesterday. Because when God says I'm forgiven, he has forgiven. It's unlike us at times, you know, we say I've forgiven you and when someone does something wrong, you say, but you remember God, the Bible says God forgets. God forgets. Because you become a new person. You become a changed person. You become a beautiful person again. Just as newly made somebody who belongs to the royal family. You know, the royal families of this earth, the honor that they get is so much. Just in a name, every door just opens like that. I was just thinking, you know, when I was preparing, talking about royal family, the royal family of, you know, England. I remember one time, Prince Harry went to Afghanistan. And I'm telling you, the security that went there, just for one person, perhaps could have cost so much for the army to win the war in Afghanistan. When you're a royal, God sends these angels to guard over you. God is preoccupied about you. God wants everything that is good to fall to you. 
and you know, at times we think the world can give us joy. We think that the love of man can give us joy. But I want to tell you something. Joy only comes from the cross of Jesus. There's no other source of joy. Don't pierce with yourself. Don't pierce yourself with sorrows. Don't pierce yourself with sorrows. Being rich is not bad. But being rich without Christ leads to destruction. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. The Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow because God knows what you need and he's able to provide for he even provides to the beds that do not sow. And he even dresses the rivers of the wild that not even King Solomon could have looked as beautiful as those rivers. That's your God. He cares for you. He loves you. And he knows what you need. Pitfall number three. Pride. Pride. You know, everything that the world teaches us is that you should be an achiever. You should be an accomplished person. You should be somebody that, you know, people can recognize and say, here comes the queen. Here comes the king. You know, ladies, don't take offense. How much time do you spend just preparing for your, uh, yourselves in the saloons? Choosing which dress to put on to, today. Uh, I had an incident today, actually. Elizabeth, don't kill me. So, she dressed up and I dressed up. And then we went into the car and then we start driving out of the gate. And she tells me, I was in my smart casual. And she tells me, I thought you said you are preaching today. I said yes. But that does not look nice on you when preaching. And then I said, oh, I'm obedient. I'm an obedient husband. <laughs> so I said, oh, if I go like this, my friend will be looking at my disobedience and other than hearing the word of God. <laughs> so I reversed. Went back into the house. Perhaps I could have been here five, five or ten minutes earlier. But I had to redress to make sure that, she, you know, she's also feeling good about it. My pride went down. Some of you men, you know, uh, women tell you, you know, don't put on this. Ah, but I like the shirt and you are going out. You hate your husbands. Uh, you hate your wives. I, 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 I thought I would hear men from wives. 
Or perhaps it's just in my family. But today I was obedient. Eh? <coughs> pride. Pride. You know, pride in my description is wrong attribution of ourselves. We attribute to ourselves things that are not right. Because our pride should only come from the cross of Christ. And the Bible in Philippians chapter 2 says, Christ humbled himself even to the cross. You know, you can read, you know, First Peter 5.5, 5, Isaiah 23.9, James 4.6. James 4.6 says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Do you need the favor of God? If you do, then be humble. Hallelujah. First Peter five five, Isaiah twenty three nine, James four six. For those who are taking notes, and James four six says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. If you want the favor of God, then be humble. True humility says, I'm nothing except for Christ. You know. Brothers and sisters, look at yourselves. You are here by the favor of God. Some of us will say, it's because I was the most intelligent in class. But how many other intelligent people have not made it? Some of you may say, because I was born in a good family. How many people were born in Christian families and went astray and left, the, left, left Christianity. Some of you may say, I have worked so, so hard to reach, to reach where I am. But who gave you that energy to work hard? It's God. At times when you visit hospitals, when you know, you go around, you say, these are people who should have been doing what they are doing, but they are not able. You know that the very life we have is because God has given it to us. We have nothing to be proud about. You know, there's that ego in us. Where you want people's affirmation. I want to tell you, people's affirmation is just a waste of time. Because they affirm you today, they turn your back on you and they say, you see how he was speaking? I couldn't understand anything. You see how he's walking? And at times they even tell you, oh, you know he was preaching like that, but do you know his past? He used to, to dance, you know, Chidori, Makanya, and the right, what I told you last week. That's the word. They'll be smiling at your face and when they turn back on you, they are back on you, they are against you. Only Christ is a true lover. Only Christ is a true lover. We have 
to be humble before Christ and God will lift us up. And then another scheme of the devil is prejudice. Prejudice is judging somebody before fully understanding. That's James Dictionary. Or Pastor James Dictionary. Judging somebody before you even fully understand the situation and the circumstance in which they are. Prejudice is what has destroyed our world today. You know, there are so many forms of prejudice. There's racial prejudice that made the Europeans buy Africans here and turn them into slaves and take them across the Atlantic Ocean and make, make them work like animals. At times they can even care for horses better than they cared for an African man or woman. Just thinking that the white race is superior to the black race made them use other people as animals, as animals of burden and all that. There's racial prejudice which is existent even today in some circumstances in hidden forms. There's tribal prejudice. Tribal prejudice, which is killing African countries, that whenever we are, we think that my tribe is better than the other tribe. All the privileges and riches of the nation should just come to my tribe and not another tribe. Tribe prejudice is killing Africa today. And there's class prejudice. Because I'm educated, I cannot mix with the uneducated. Because I'm rich, I cannot mix with the poor. I hope what I'm speaking about does not exist in church. It only exists outside the church. You know, Paul writing to the Galatians in Galatians 3.28, he says, speaking about the people of God, people who belong to the royal family of God, Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Greek there's neither slave nor free man. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There's no Chewa no Tumbuka. There's no Rome no Yao. There's no Sena no, no, no Tonga. Because you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's the teaching of the Bible. If we belong to the royal family of God, there's no prejudice. We are all one in Christ Jesus. There's so much wrong understanding of group origins. 
Usually we believe that our group is supreme. And another group thinks theirs is supreme. Another thinks theirs is the supreme. And if I was doing an equation when I was doing my algebra or whatever, I would say the answer is zero. There is no supreme group. Because if everyone says they are supreme, then there is no supreme group. The only supreme group is the group that know that Christ is the Savior. You know, there is a story of which illustrates lack of prejudice in any way. It happened in 2012 during a marathon race in Spain. There was a Kenyan runner, Auntie Wambui, might know the story. There was a Kenyan, you know, runner, a long distance runner, called Ebo Kipropi Mutai. He was such a fast runner. And then, this time he was racing in Spain. And as he ran, he ran in front of everybody. And then, he reached a point where by mistake he thought he had crossed the finishing line and he stopped. And behind him was a man called Ivan Fernandez Anaya, a Spanish person from the Baltic states of Barcelona, of, of Spain. And then this gentleman was just behind Mutai. And when he found that Mutai had stopped, he too stopped and told Mutai, run on, run on, run on. And Mutai ran and finished the crossing line. And then Ivan was asked, why did you do that? And he says, I would not have felt any pride in me to beat Mutai because he had made a mistake. Because he was a better runner than me. How much do we care about other people? How much do we care about other people? How much do we care about justice? How much do we care about the truth of God? I don't know whether Ivan was a Christian or not, but his conscience is a conscience that Christ would have respected. And you know, this gentleman just felt, Mutai just felt the victory can be shared even with Ivan because Ivan was a true man. Many of us are happy when we step on other people's feet as long as things are well with us. I remember one time talking to a very top executive uh, uh, in Mozambique. And then as we were talking, this person was counseling us on how to become a true reader. And most of the things they said made a lot of sense. 
But at one time they said, you know, you Christians, your weakness is that you are so compassionate. But you know, if you want to be a true reader, you don't care who you kill as long as you get what you want. That's what the world thinks. Do you think the same way? Prejudice and humility cannot go together. You need to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then, scheme number five, which is the last one, it's indigence or indigence. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3 says, Ephesians 2, 1 to 3 says, And for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Among them we too, all formerly lived in rust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's the wrath of God. Loving the world and loving fame and loving popularity will take us nowhere. We need to desire to be the real children of the kingdom of God. Our royalty is not in what we think. Our royalty is not in what we have learned from the world. Our royalty is because the blood of Jesus was shed for us. We were in the kingdom of darkness. Christ plucked us from there to become members of the royal family of God. But many times we live as, as if we are still in the world. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Mark 8.36 What does it profit a man to gain the whole world all the fame, all the popularity, all the wealth, all the riches but forfeit their soul? I think it was in this church when I was preaching one time where I said the luckiest person, okay, according to, to Psalms 90, uh, verse 10, the Bible says we have been given 70 years, and by God's favor we may reach 80. But I know there are people who have reached over 100. But beyond 100, there are very few. Perhaps it can be point something percent of the world population. And then, what does it profit you and me to trade our eternity with 70 years? 
you have the pressure of 70 years and then suffering of eternity any wise person here now use your brains any wise person would choose pressure for eternity than pressure for 70 years but at times we act so foolishly that we think that our pressure and our fame and our affirmation of 70 years is more important than eternity you know let us do away with the rust of the flesh the indulging desires of our flesh we need to do away with them and surrender them to Christ the bible says if we confess our sins he's just to forgive us and god is here right now to say whatever you have done wrong surrender to me i want you to enjoy the life in the royal family of god in conclusion let us know that we are living in the world but we are not of the world hallelujah we are living in the world but we are not of the world You know, I like what first Peter 2:9 says in describing who we are. First Peter 2:9. You are a chosen people. Tell your neighbor you are a chosen person. And then you repeat with me as I read. Tell your neighbor you are a chosen person. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar person. Hallelujah. Your attributes, you are chosen person, chosen by Christ himself. A royal priesthood, you belong to the royal house of God. You are a holy nation. A nation not bordered by artificial borders that the you know colonialists did to africa cutting a road and saying this is Zambia, this is mozambique this is you know uh, 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 nigeria this is cameroon this is not those borders where a royal nation a nation bordered by heavenly borders wherever you go in america in europe wherever you go even in the middle east you find members or citizens of your nation those who have been washed by the blood of the lamb those who have accepted christ as their savior those who have accepted christ as their lord the lord of their lives wherever you go you find them that's our membership to the whole nation we speak the same language it's the language of love it's the language of peace it's the language of joy we are more than conquerors in jesus christ 
We have the power of God in us. We are world shakers. We turn the world upside down. You know, in Acts 17.6, you know, the chief priest of the synagogue, I think it was in Thessalonica, referring to Paul and, and, and others of Christian ministry, he says, where are these men who are turning the world upside down? We are the world shakers. We are not simple people. We have the privileges of royalty. May I ask the church to stand as we close? Search your heart. What has been your behavior in the royal family of God? As God has given you all the privileges, have you held your responsibilities properly? If not, I'll say that you silently pray within your heart and confess to God where you feel things have not been right and ask him to accept you that indeed you can enjoy the privileges of his house. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. A word of the issues of our hearts. Issues that we might not have spoken to anyone else. But Lord, let the Holy Spirit search our hearts and see anything that is against you. Lord, I pray that it shall be broken by the power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave. The power of God. Break every chain of bondage in the name of Jesus. Let this woman be free. Let this man be free. For the Bible assures us that when the Son of Man sets us free, we are free indeed. Lord, I speak freedom to your people. I speak joy to your people. I speak fulfillment to your people. I speak peace to your people, Lord. Lord, I bring everything that concerns them under the feet of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that no sister, no brother present in this place shall, 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 suffer, shall, shall suffer shame, shall suffer disappointment. 
shall suffer any pain. I speak against every power of the devil. Jesus, you said to the devil, go behind me, Satan. And we tell the devil, go away from here. We resist you by the blood of Jesus. The blood that conquered. I speak freedom, Lord, to every soul in this place. May they enjoy your peace, your joy. And may they proclaim that Jesus lives in me. That's our cry, Lord. That's our prayer. May we restore the lost with love and compassion and forgiveness. Break our hearts, Lord, and make them again. Make them unto your likeness. Lord, we declare and decree today that, Lord, we love you. That, Lord, we belong to you. And that, Lord, we shall walk with you to the eternity. And that we shall be with you forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may Hallelujah. I would say, if there's anybody who has not accepted Christ as their personal Savior, after the service, we'll be in front here. We want to pray with you. For it is good to belong to the royal family of God.